podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This episode of The Fighting Cock is dedicated to Ashley Savage. She lost her 10-month battle with cancer last week. And uh, her, her brother is a good friend of the show, Ross Savage. He's, he's a legend and we love him a lot. And um, he's going through a lot at the moment. And, uh, and what he's asked, and there's a, there's, a, there's a lovely sort of wholesome campaign that's happening on Spurs Twitter at the moment. Harry Kane's got involved. Spurs official have also... Um, messaged him as well and and what they've asked is that on the 39th minute against Brighton on Saturday that a round of applause could go ahead in memory of Ashley if you could get involved in that it'd be a wonderful wonderful thing and uh, yeah Ross on behalf of everyone at the Fighting Cock we're really really sorry for your loss mate it's a horrendous horrendous thing 39 is too young it's the fighting It's the fighting. Cock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Cock. Oh, come on, sir. No. Twice, you threw it underarm with with two hands. Because I you use my, like. Because I use my brain, I, I managed to f- throw a twelve kilogram 
a kettlebell f- further than you who's well into his fitness? Not a question. It's not. It's not a question of using your brain. When 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 someone says, "Can you throw this kettlebell overarm into that swimming that kid's swimming?" Pool, <laughs> no one said overarm. You, ex- you expect no one. You said expect overarm. a gentleman. Well, you expect a gentleman to follow everyone's lead, not come in with new rules. You know what you are. You're like. You're 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 essentially the transgender discussion, but within kettlebell thrown into a kid's swimming pool. I don't know. You're what just that coming means. in and changing the rules. We are recording. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm fine with that. You stand by that. That's fine. Look, I, I know what it means. Rick, Ricky, you you was there. You was there. Did anyone say it must yeah. be overarm? Oh, I can't remember. Jesus, he doesn't know. He just stood there holding a chicken all night. <laughs> It was a messy night. Anyway, this is the Fighting Cop Podcast. It's episode 44, I think. Season 11 of the Fighting Cop Podcast. And um, we're just on the back of a uh, transfer deadline day, which there was a lot of, a lot of uh, moving and shaking, boys. A lot of moving and shaking going on. Is that, is that the expression, moving and shaking? I think it is. Um, Deli Ali's gone. And domblay has gone. Lo Celso's gone. Brian Hill's gone. Some of them on loan. Yay! Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then we've brought in Jack Clark as well. Jack Clark, yeah, of course, yeah. And uh, we've brought in <laughs> Bentacor and Kula Sevovich. I think that's right. It's right, isn't it? Ricky, yeah. right. what is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you said it right. You said it right, mate. Yeah, yeah but you're not going to say it. <laughs> no, I'll, you say, is that what you set me up for? I just wanted someone else <laughs> to say it other than me. You little monkey. I just wanted someone else to say it other than nah, me. Kulasevic. <laughs> nah, I, that's right. Well done, mate. Kulasevic. Sevsky. No, no, Kulasevsky. That's it, that's it. I was, mate, I was on, uh, and again, not, not trying to name drop or anything, but I was on a reputable radio station yesterday. You're talking about the, the deadline day, and... Um, I was acutely aware that, I, that this guy's name, Kulisevsky, Kulisevsky, was going to be brought up, and I didn't want to fuck it up. I mean, I don't mind fucking it up here because everyone knows, you know, the limitations of my brain when it comes to pronouncing players or, or people that come from outside of London. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I, I pulled it off. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, overall, boys, Alex, we'll start with you. Are you happy with the window? Are Spurs in a better position? than we were before it opened in on the 1st of January? Uh, I think that's kind of two different questions, really. Am I happy? Not particularly. But does it make us better as a squad? Yeah, I think so. Because we've moved out players that we're not going to use with, for two players that he is going to use, obviously. So that puts you in a, in a better place. Well, what would have made you and happier then? You know, a right wing back. I, I, I'm flabbergasted that we've left ourselves with 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 Matt Doherty still as what could be if Emerson got injured or as we've seen in the last couple of games he doesn't seem to fancy him for certain games. I'm just flabbergasted that Matt Doherty is still there. Um, if we'd have got a right win back as well, I'd have been over the moon. So I'm, I'm all right. I'm I'm seven out of ten. That's not bad. I'll take seven out of ten. I think uh, if you look at um, the fact that we were trying to get Triori in. And then that, you know, if you believe what was reported in the press, that Troy was going to be our right wing back. And then he went to Barcelona because why wouldn't he go to Barcelona? Because Barcelona are fucking huge and Spurs are, are not as huge as, as Barcelona. So the kind of our plans were kiboshed when he, you know, Barcelona came knocking for a player that 
you know, five years ago, Triori wouldn't. They wouldn't. They would spit on Triori. Do you know what I mean? It would, there'd be no reason why he'd be joining <laughs> joining Barcelona. Barcelona finds find themselves in such a situation where they're just picking up a bloke who I would have absolutely loved, but split opinion in the Spurs fan base. God knows what he must be doing in the Barcelona fan base. But when a team like that comes knocking and, you know, he started his career there, you can understand why he chose, you know, Barcelona over Tottenham or any player would. But the biggest thing about, about Traore not signing was apparently... Hang on, hang on a second. The, the biggest thing about him not signing was the fact, or, or, you know, if you believe again what was in, in the press, was that Traore didn't want to be a right wing back. He wanted to be a forward. And that was the reason why he didn't sign for Spurs and Barcelona came knocking. Go on now. Yeah, and I think I think that's particularly fair. And you know, we've also if we'd have gone and signed, you know, someone from you know Ligun, you know, the whole kind of NG and uh, and Kudu type type just to fill a space, then that would have caused even more uproar. So, um, so I get it. Like I said, I just would have liked a, a right wing back because I just think it's a glaringly or you know a big glaring hole in a very important part of the system that he wants to play. But I'm also glad that we didn't just go out and, you know, you know, if if we're saying right, I don't know, Tarek Lamptey is is who is who we want. But you know, Brighton aren't selling him now. You know, if we then go big for someone in the summer, then that's great. Uh, you know what? It's, it always boils down to is 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 just because fourth is there. It's so there for us, and I just don't want us to fuck it up by fucking ourselves. I don't mind if United suddenly go on a you know 15 match winning streak now. But I don't want us to miss out because of because of that. That's all. Well, but no, like I said, seven out of ten. Yeah, but you'd be saying that based on the transfer window of the four clubs that are involved in that top four argument, and we've done more than all of them. None of them have signed anyone. Yeah, that's true. So you would say out of the four of us, Spurs are much better placed based on what's happened in the transfer window to finish top four. So I don't think. It'll be based on what happened in the transfer window if we finish top four or not. But like you said, you know, you made the point that that um, we've brought in two players that will play and, and moved on four players that absolutely won't play. Like the, out of the four, probably the most surprising was Brian Hill when he left, and he played the least amount of minutes out of all four of them. Dele Alli played more minutes than 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 Brian Hill. So, it, although we would have loved to see. More players being brought in. I just feel like this was all of it was uh, sensible, and we probably did want Diaz and 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 Traore, and we would have bought them if we could. But Diaz was always going to sign for Liverpool if you believe everything that's come out after us trying to bid for him. Liverpool, if, if anything, we forced Liverpool in 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 spending when they didn't want to spend. They would have got him cheaper in the summer. He he apparently was going to be willing to join Spurs, Liverpool have come in and said, actually, no, we've always wanted him. We've got an at now because Spurs have come in. Um, and then obviously Traore left. But look, those four, we'd have a, we're having a completely d- different conversation altogether. But I feel like it was a logical transfer window. Rick, sorry, you haven't spoken at all yet. What, what's your overall take of what happened? You all right? <laughs> um, I think Good. we've... We've um, we've got three attacking players. That fir- first team, uh, or actually, it's like four, isn't it? With with Hill as well, all going out, and then we've brought in one 
attacking player and then one kind of all-rounder midfielder. But then the thing is, those other three, the the uh, uh, four even, weren't really getting a game. And okay. then so what's Kulusevski will 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 get, will get more. We'll get more football, you'd think, and so will uh, I, I. Can't say this geezer's name. Bentenka. 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 Right. I, I just. I, um, I, if they're not, if they're not playing, they might as well be irrelevant. They might as well be youth prospects. If they're not playing, they are useless to us. So, so you have to get them out. It doesn't matter. I know yeah, we've at, lost at three the moment, but yeah. if if we. If if we if we do get injuries or further in the cups or whatever it might be, I kind of feel like we could have relied on Delhi. The, the other two, Lacelso and Ndombele, fine. That, that's that, that's absolutely fine. Um, Hill, I get that he's like he's twenty and he's one for the future, and it'll be better for him to get more games and play regular football. That's fine, but uh, I think. Personally, I think I, I, I may have kept Delhi, but it may have been that th- this is the time to get rid of everyone when you can, uh, so you can recoup that money. And I also get as well that, yeah, okay, here's me saying that four attacking players have gone out and we've brought in one, and then in like an all-round mid- midfielder, um, you know, like, like for like, that that's that's not equal, but they're. There's rumours, well, not rumours, but like when Delhi, Tangy, and uh, Lacelso weren't weren't playing, it it kind of created a, an atmosphere. And Conte likes his teams and his squads to have that real togetherness, uh, and everyone mucking in, and and it didn't feel like everyone was pulling in the right direction. So by getting those players out, it will lift training sessions, game time, uh, and things like that so so that counts towards it as well but i think overall it, it's not that um i would say i'm hugely happy but um i do think some some good has happened and i think we've laid some decent groundwork for the summer i think that's a great point that was like about the about like the atmosphere and stuff i think you know the people that have gone we've heard rumors about lacelso not being particularly well liked and the rest of it but you know, and Dombele and Delhi and Delhi in particular, you know, big personalities, big parts of that squad, you know, Delhi in particular. And when those players are not playing, it's a conversation between us as fans every time, you know, there's not a great result or someone's not being used or whatever. Um and, and it's just it adds to the fact of, you know, if they're suddenly away not training with the group or not being involved or just not happy there. You know, it does it, it you can't that, that can't not have a some type of effect on the squad, no matter how minuscule it might be in in the best case scenario so having a you know fresh faces you know freshen things up a little bit you know it's 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 a good thing overall spurs are in a better place now than than we were you know two days ago and that's that's all you can ask would we have liked it to been three or four steps forward rather than maybe two of course but hopefully you know this is half the job this the, the main half of the job is done in the summer yeah, I mean that's what you'd hope, and 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 that's what you might predict is that we we put ourselves in a good position in the summer, um, hoping that some of these players out on loan will secure permanent moves. Probably not Brian Hill because we don't know how good he is, and maybe he'll have a career at Spurs. But the other three, um, the Celso, Delhi, I know he's gone on a permanent, but uh, 
and Domblay as well, you'd hope all three of them, sorry, all uh, the the two of them would go on and secure deals so that we can just forget about them and move on. Um, and there's been yeah, a- Brian Hill hasn't got a buy option in his loan, so they they're, they're thinking about bringing him back. I mean, perhaps like a an English loan might have been better, but you don't know about his situation. Yeah. Maybe he just wanted to go back to Spain. Maybe he's feeling a bit homesick, and you take time and um, and give players who are talented everything they need to become the player that potentially could come for, for Tottenham and send him out to Stoke might have sent him further down, you know, in, in, into an area that he couldn't perform. You're dealing with human beings, aren't you? You have uh, different ways of dealing with different situations. And the, the most sort of obvious cliched thing you hear is send him to Stoke, toughen him up. It's such a, like a boring trope. <laughs> It's like he's he's just human. He's a kid, a child who's played three seasons in in as a professional in Spain, and to to, 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 to the idea of sending him to Stoke just to toughen him up, thinking that's going to solve all of the problems that potentially might exist with Brian Hill, uh, is stupid. Um, but it, it does. I do love that uh, that that old the the old kind of. Uh philosophy of someone someone struggling let's make them struggle and suffer even more that that, that will work let's send them to Millwall see what they're made of (laughs) and and, and then you know nine times out of ten yeah they're not made of what you think they're made of they're a different beast altogether and Brian Hill the type of player he is and you know look on paper you might think yeah that would be a good I would rather send him to a championship club and get him more used to the physicality of of um of uh, English football than than sending him back to Spain where he's already comfortable and, and has performed to a decent level at already. But I'm sure the people that talk to him day in, day out, his agent, he's the people around him at Spurs, Conte in particular, will probably have an idea about what might be best for him. And if Conte and the rest of the people at Spot- Tottenham think that a loan move to Valencia, is it Valencia? Was it Seville? One of the yeah. Uh, well, yeah, uh, one of Valencia. The, Valencia is is the best thing for him. Then just see what happens. It really doesn't matter that that you know people who uh, who know that Tottenham exists have an opinion on one of our forwards and think that sending him out to an English club away from everything he, he might have even began to feel comfortable about in London and then sending him north to Stoke. I I've I've lived in England my entire life, and I wouldn't want to spend. A month in Stoke, I wouldn't. So I don't know what it might be like. For I Brian. live about yeah. I live about forty-five minutes away from there, and well, I'm not comfortable with that. To be quite honest, would you recommend Brian Hill going to Stoke and living there for six months? No, uh, no. I, I think you're right, though. I think an English. Like, I was, I was hoping he might go to a lower end Premier League team, you know, Norwich well, it or it makes whatever, sense on and paper. just kind of see sense. out. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, they should be toughened up though. There was a couple of <laughs> there was a couple of tweets that I saw, like if you like, and they were just the, the, <laughs> they were showing all of our outgoings and the two incomings that we've had, and going, does this look like a, a good transfer window to, window to you? But there's so much more at play than just what's happened right now, and there's so much more what Conte is potentially trying to aim for in this squad than just names on a sheet. And it isn't as easy as looking at incomings and outgoings based on the reputation and the, and, and what's come before with these players and just saying this has been a good um, transfer window or it hasn't. Anyway, um, let's move on to Deli Alley because um, 
you know, we, we don't have to go back through how good he has been in certain aspects of his Tottenham career, but whatever he has done, he's left an imprint on the Tottenham fan base and on Twitter, the outpouring of emotion and just the goodwill that was aimed towards him has been, uh, you know, it's relevant, it's significant today, Alex. How did you feel when it was announced yesterday and it came quite quickly that he was signed for Everton? Gutted, actually. Um, but like uh, knowing that it had to happen, it was a bit like when I first shaved my head when I realised I was going bald. I was like, "Well, this it's got it's got to happen." Now <laughs> I am gutted. I'm fighting. This is a losing. This is a losing battle. Like it's it's only getting worse. Nothing's improving. I've tried the caffeine shampoo. I've tried you know like other random stuff off the internet. It's nothing's working. It's going to have to go. And then shaved it and look in the mirror and you think, "That's it now for the rest of my life." That's never that's never coming back. We had some good times. All those hairs, um, uh, and, and that's a little bit how I felt when I found out. When I, first of all, I heard that it was a free, and I was like, "What?" Uh, and then it because it's just I don't know. It just didn't sit well. But I, I like I said, I knew it was the right thing to do. I think it is the right move. Um, I listened to to Nathan this morning on the extra inch and was saying about he thinks Everton is like the worst possible move to him. I, I agree. I was very surprised it was Everton. Um, but yeah, like I said, as much as I knew it was the right decision and I was like, yep, that's a, that's a positive move. I think for the club and for him, um, I was disappointed. Like I had that feeling in my stomach of bugger. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sad, you know, and part of it is because I, I, I've been lucky enough to, to actually been in the stadium when he's had some of his most outrageous performances and some of his most outrageous goals, Palace, Watford away. I remember me and Bardi sitting in the right next to the quarter demolished part of White Hart Lane when he scored that goal against Watford, curled it in right behind it. And I remember us saying to each other, Christ, what a player this boy is. Um, we were there for his first goal against Leicester away. That was that was one of the away days we were at. So he kind of just is kind of synonymous with some of the best memories that I've had of Tottenham. Um of going to Tottenham and being with my mates as well at the same time. So maybe why it hits a little bit more, but yeah, it's just such a shame that it, that it's got to this, this point because um, part of me think, part of me hopes he just never gets that back because I'll be gutted if he suddenly gets it back for someone else. But also I'm glad that I got to experience some of the bits that we did with him. Rick, how do you feel about it? Honestly, absolutely devo. Like, it's it's it. I feel like it's it's slightly different for me because uh, Delhi's from Milton Keynes. He's he's from the estate that is opposite from my house. His secondary school is literally the next road over for, from where I live. Um, and from you know a boy turned good from uh, from Milton Keynes to them playing for Tottenham and then going to going to see him is. It's absolutely quality. And Milton Keynes, what do we have to celebrate? Like, roundabouts and Greg Rutherford. Like, that geezer can jump, but come on, man. Concrete cows. Yeah, the co- concrete cows, roundabouts, Greg Rutherford and Delhi. But Delhi was that... Um, he was that guy that uh, was from my town, uh, and he's, he's playing for Tottenham. And not only playing for Tottenham, he... Like I was saying, the amazing goals that he scored, like when we finally broke the hoodie over Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and him scoring both those goals and, you know, putting his cup in his hand to his ear uh, in front of the shed end, 
that chip against the goos in a cup, like we're one nil up, and he gets put through, and the audacity to try that chip to send us through, um, and we go two nil up, like fucking hell, honestly, unbelievable, like uh, amazing. I mean, the, the goal against United. I mean, fairly oh, insignificant, yeah. but where he, I can't remember what player he held up, but he just uses upper body strength, dribble, and smack the ball in the net. It was fucking brilliant. And just like the, the other little things as well, uh, bromance with, with Dyer and Sonny, like just that, like a sweet kid that um, I'll miss having round the place. And I know this shouldn't come into it, but like, his upbringing was was a rough upbringing, and again, going back to that rough upbringing, and then brought up by his uh, friends and family in Milton Keynes, and then going over to, to Tottenham and, and doing well for himself. And like I think he he was always on that um, that chart that you know fewest games to fifty prem goals or something like beat Lampard and Gerrard, Skulls, Hazard. Um, those names aren't, you know, to be taken lightly. And and Delhi, Delhi beat them all. And at one point, he was on top of the world, and it just felt good for me to to ha- I, I, like I had that that connection with him. And like a lot of players, like you know, I, I tweeted out something about Delhi saying best of luck, whatever. And you have a few gooners biting, saying yeah, but what did he win? Like he ain't won anything. Like sometimes it's bigger than that man sometimes that connection that i have with my team and a player it doesn't revolve around trophies you know it the amount of times a football club wins a trophy and players win a trophy is fucking tiny and supporting a team like tottenham it doesn't happen that often and especially at the moment so when you have those moments with players that make you jump up and punch the air and when they are being silly in front of camera and you see their human side and you just think, like, I love that geezer. He's a bit of me. And that's why I've, I, I'm taking this player moving on that little bit harder than most players in, in of recent times. Do you know what else it is as well? Is the way he played football in his pomp was... Like how every kind of kid plays football growing up in the park, yeah. what they're trying to do, taking a piss, trying stuff, like having a laugh, enjoying what you're doing with 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 your mates, and that's always what he looked like, you know, when when he was up there. But it was also a signal of we've had players like this before. We've had Ginlers and Plinsmans and Berbatovs who would do could do outrageous things, but we were always shit. Deli Ali was doing this when we were fucking good. And like I said, you have the argument about, oh, you know, bottling the league or whatever. doesn't matter. But this kind of signaled a point where, you know, Tottenham, Tottenham are doing stuff and, and, and he was enraging other clubs' fans because not only was he fucking brilliant, he also made you want to throttle him if you were a different, uh, like an opposing fan because he had a bit about him as well. But also Tottenham were fucking good. Uh, and I just don't think, um, you know, everyone knows my feelings on the Pochettino era and, and just how how much of a big deal that is for me and how hard it's been to get that kind of feeling back. And he was just a big signal of that. You know, a lot of the stuff we're talking about is away from his kind of 
performances over the last two years, obviously, which is an issue, which is why he's had to he's had to go. And he's obviously not happy in himself because he's not enjoying his football. And, and you can see that in, in certain games where he's not performed. Um, but I'm not going to let that ruin some of the, some of the moments that, that I've had with a player that, you know, never really did anything wrong by Tottenham. I agree with everything you, you both of you have just said. And obviously uh, over the last few years, I've criticized Deli Ali for various reasons, which are not important right now. It doesn't matter what I think or anyone thinks who is critical of Deli Ali right now. And now that his time at Tottenham is over, it is sad and it is time to reflect on the wonderful things he did. And there were many, many wonderful things that he did. And that period under Pochettino, where everybody was flying, everybody, the fans, the club were on the up, we were building a new stadium, everything felt amazing and, uh, you know, incredible, a couple of, a couple of incredible seasons. And Dele Alli was in the middle of it all and he was absolutely fantastic and has, you know, it, it, at, at times demonstrated things that very few players could in a Spurs shirt and have done in a Spurs shirt. And so I don't think this it's it's worth there being a moment's criticism of him right now. It's not there's no point. Um so yeah, it, it's a it's a sad thing and it's a shame that he never could recapture what he did under Pochettino under other managers that have that managed him, you know, Jose Mourinho and Nuno and, and Conte since then. And I think obviously by the time Conte got hold of him, it was almost too late that the damage had been done. I don't blame Jose Mourinho completely or Nuno. I feel like Deli Ali definitely had a, has some responsibility in his his dipping form. It had they, he had to have take he got he's got to take some responsibility of, of the way things have gone. But it doesn't really matter because what he did give us in the first three or four seasons that he's at Spurs, far outweigh anything, any kind of criticism that you could aim at him in the latter part of his career at Spurs. And it's a shame the way it has gone. And he's gone on to pass his new at Everton. And I don't agree with anyone who says they want him to do really well at Everton because that would fucking damage Spurs. So fuck that. But, um, you know, I wish him well. Just in, in no way that it can damage Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's, I mean, he, yeah, he was good. He was very, very, very good and will be loved forever. It will go down in history, wouldn't he, as one of our most important players, certainly in the last three, uh, three decades, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, can you think, I was trying to think of, like, during that peak period, could you, I couldn't think of, a, of like, any of the really important moments or limbs moments that he wasn't involved in, in to some degree. Even, even when know, things even, were going tits up, uh, you know, he was on that Champions League run, and shit was going tits up in the league. He was so intrinsic in 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 um, in, in that reversal against Ajax. Without him, he would we have wouldn't have done games. it. Yeah, and he would have these games like where he did nothing, and we're all like, Get, "For fuck's sake, you know, do something." And then he would pop up with with a goal, and and I think that's probably why a lot of people have kind of hung on for so long with him because it's like, well. You know, you have to wait the whole game to see whether he's going to have a good game or not, because sometimes the the quantifiable kind of fact would be that he popped up in the last minute with a with an important touch or an important goal, and so that's probably made it worse. I, I think it was harder for me because I genuinely thought he'd only go out on loan, 
And then I just thought, well, we'll deal with that in the summer. And if we bring in some kind of superstar and then he goes and that's all right. But it's not like Tottenham um, haven't tried to keep him. Like he, he, he could have gone to no, exactly. PSG and, and, and we blocked it. And Jose felt that he should go. And it didn't happen. And he wanted it to happen. And it's not like we didn't give it. And, and the same with Ndombele as well. Like there's been, I, I, I feel like the board have fought for Ndombele. They want to, and, and no doubt down to how much money we spent on him, but also because we can all see what class Ndombele carries. But um, it, how many, how long can you give the idea that this is going to work out? How, like in, in, in real terms, when you're trying to do well in the Premier League or, or qualify for the Champions League, even challenge for Premier League trophies, you can't, you can't, you can't give players time. They, they have to be perform yeah. in the infrastructure that you have at the football club. And if they're not, you have to move them on because you can't legislate for what might happen in a year's time in the hope that Dele Alli comes back. Or, you know, in, in, in the romantic sense, as Spurs fans, we wanted him to, to, to be everything he was four years ago. But we also want to progress as a football club. And you can't, given the wages that Ndombele, Lo Celso, uh, Dele, all of them have immense talent, but you can't you can't give them that rope if they're not performing because the the, the same fans who are um, you know want him want all those three players to do well also want us to really to be successful in the competitions that we're playing in. So it's either you be cutthroat now in the hope that it pays off uh, in the short term. And, and even in the long term, and buying, bringing players that are going to perform in the pitch, or just hold on to this romantic notion that these three players are going to be good when well, there's no it. guarantee. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is it. This is this is something that you can say that you know that, uh, that, that there is a positive about this window. You know, if you're not if you're looking other than you know how many bodies are actually brought in. You know, the last since Paratici's come in, and you know Paratici's come in for some stick, and it isn't. I said the other day, I, I thought Paratici was coming in to kind of remove all of the kind of shit that we've had to read and listen to and narrative that we've been hearing on social media for the last few weeks. But what has happened is that we have got rid of players who have been here too long, where we are quite romantic as a fan base. Um, and I think sometimes as a club and, and these, these players have, have, have gone. So part of the positivity of the window is that if Conte's told them that, look, and Dombele, Lo Celso, Hill, Delhi, they're not going to play, then we've gone, right, okay, let's sort this now then. You know, for all the reasons that Rick said about in terms of just atmosphere around the squad. So that that is a positive that isn't to do with how many bodies come through the door. And that's the one person that hasn't had a com- it been in this conversation. The most important person at our football club probably is Conte, right? Almost definitely is Conte right now. And yeah. in this transfer window, Conte more or less hasn't been discussed. But if you take if we if we go back a month from now and Conte's had this meeting and he said I've evaluated the squad these are the players that are no good to me and this is the these are the positions I need to strengthen in now we may not have strengthened in every position that he's identified we don't know what he said in that meeting but if you believe everything that said he wanted a striker he wanted a midfielder he wanted a, a right wing back and uh, or a forward and, and another centre back, whatever it might be. If we've achieved two of these requests, the outgoings are are not the the outgoing the the, the players that have gone out must have been in line with what he wanted. There was, you know, the, the the fact that he identified certain players that weren't going to be playing and the ones that you just mentioned, Alex. That that there is a 
plan at foot. And if that plan is coming from Conte, then we cannot, we cannot, we cannot, um, we can't poo-poo it. <laughs> For want of a better expression, I couldn't think of it, any other word. We can't poo-poo <laughs> Conte's, Conte's ideas right now. It's just give him what he wants. The fact we let um, Adele Ali go to Everton without any money coming up front shows to me that Daniel Levy is taking a step back and saying, this is on you, Paratici. This is your job now. Manage the football and deal with Conte and make sure that he gets what he wants. And I think the outgoings just showed that. Rick, what do you think? Yeah, I think I, I saw um, saw an article with uh, old uh, Ali Gold and I think he was saying um, that Conte was content about how the transfer has gone. I mean, obviously, everybody wants more players. Everybody wants things to happen now. But um, as Al said at the very beginning of the pod, we, we all wanted five paces forward. But if we've gone two paces, that's all That's that's all good. And from the um, things that you read that... Uh, Conte was interested in uh, Kulisevsky previously before he went to Juve um, and that he could get him. He was on his list as well as other players. So I think he's happy with with him. And um, things change, man. Like, you... Yeah, obviously, we, we've wanted and needed a backup striker for Kane since fucking God knows when. Um... And I think the last person that came in was Llorente to to do that. So we've always needed that. We've always needed that. And then um, the centre-back issue as well. I think he's probably seen how uh, how much improvement Sanchez has made and Dyer, Romero and uh, Davies playing in those positions. And he's probably thinking, do you know what? They, they, these boys, they, they can probably get us through to the end of the season. I want us to go for one of these players instead. And he may, he may have had a change of heart on on who he wants. Like, exactly the same with the right wing-back position. And although we're sitting here thinking, these, like, Royale, he's been swapped out in some of the games and Doherty hasn't been good at all. There may be something Conte's thinking, do you know what? If we get this centre midfielder, Bentacor, then he might be able to do something else and he might be able to satisfy his need for this right wing back because of X, Y, Z. But we don't know. All we know is stuff that we've heard previously coming out from the club. Um, and that's not directly from the club. It's from, it's from journos. Um, and then we're kind of putting two and two together and coming up with five. And I think with how everything's gone, I think like like in uh, what Ali Gold put in his uh, in his article that Conte will be content, and he he can see that the players that we've got is what kind of what he's asked for, and that we are going in the right direction. Um, I think you're right in terms of the centre back stuff in particular. There has something of has obviously changed because I mean there wasn't really any solid whispers about any proper centre halves, was there? 
This no, but bear, no, no. bearing in mind, Romero hasn't played for us practically. So he's like a. Yeah. He, if he's coming back in when we start playing the league again, that's like a new signing, isn't it? Like a new signing. It's literally a new signing, not just any new signing. It's a fucking major centre back in European football, the best centre back in Italy last year. If he's fit and he can play, <laughs> given the fact that our centre back three have done okay, especially when Dyer's been in, been there. To had had absolute quality in Romero in there as well, I think people forget the fact that we've got him coming back in, and that you know we we didn't need another centre back if if he's he fit like Davies, Romero, Dyer, or Sanchez is a is is good enough. Anyway, sorry, Alex, you was about to say something. No, no, that was it. I was done. All right, good, good. Um, uh, Chris uh, Whaleyman twenty two on Twitter. He says, "How good do you feel about top four? I think it's ours to lose, Alex." I agree. Um, um, maybe not ours to lose, but I do think I think it should be down between between us and United. Um, and I think you know United have got their own other troubles and stuff going on. There always seems to be something going on at, at Man United, and I think if we can just kind of quietly get on with our business, I think in terms of who we've played already, I think we're we're in a good position. We've got a nice run this month, really. Maybe I think it, we got City this month, haven't we? But other City than away, that, we've got Wolves at home in the league. And, that'd be tough, yeah. And I mean, uh, Southampton at home, is it? Southampton yeah, I mean, we're a team, really. I think with the team we've got, with the manager we've got, I, I feel pretty confident. I think, you know, we should be beating, you know, everyone outside the top six, we should be beating, really. And then those top six games fall within themselves. The, obviously, the North London derby's a game in itself. We've got Chelsea out of the way. <laughs> you know, we've beat City once this year. Um, you know, so... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm fairly confident. You know, I'd say I'd say I'm more confident that we get fourth than I am that we don't. Yeah, right now. same, same. Rick, what about you? Personally, um, I don't actually want top four. I'd like us to finish um, seventh, so we go back into the Conference League because I want revenge <laughs> for being thrown out. So. <laughs> That's where I'm at. I love, I love the fact. I, I love the fact that, that that's your, you're so bitter about the rent. <laughs> you'll forgo any immediate success or progression as a football club just to get one back on the conference league. So bitter, so bitter. Fucking Ruengo all the way. Um, but no, uh, seriously, I th- I think top four is there for the taking, and generally. My feeling, I think we will take it. Like I felt that way before the transfer window. I just think, I don't know, you know, when you've got like someone like Conte managing your club, you just get a bit more cocky, didn't you? You just feel that more uh, confident. You just, I don't know, man. Well, if you... When you've got a world-class manager like him that comes in, you just know in certain situations, although the chips may be down, you just know that he can kind of, Get us out of it, really. He 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 knows the game and he 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 knows what he's doing. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I I feel like we can. We, we even before the transfer window was open, that we felt that the the top four was on, and that's amazing. Given the fact that we had that September, which was the worst we've had on record, I think. And everything went tits up, and Carry Kane was, wasn't playing for us. And he didn't want to. He didn't want to be at the club. And then we managed to get Conte in. And since he's come in, if you look at the league table since Conte joined, we're third. And 
if he continues that for the rest of the season, and bearing in mind that was with the playing staff that we had before the transfer window, that, um, that, that yeah, we'll finish top four. We will, hands down. Um, it's just Spurs, isn't it? Can't guarantee yeah. anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, but on, but on, and this is the thing, this is the game changer that Conte is, is that he doesn't believe in all that shit. He doesn't, he, he's behaves and he's talked in a way that's saying, look, I'm here to do something and the players better, better be here to do something. I bet he's not, he, he's not even a fucking aware of the, of the term Spursy. And if he was, he dismissed it in a second because he knows that's nothing to do with football. The Spurs fans is a way of dealing with our failures over the years and saying like, yeah, Spurs is a thing. We're cursed, all this sort of stuff. It's the way we kind of help ourselves to deal with the fact that we never get what we want. And other teams, you know, our rivals seem to get what they want without being a lot better than us. Certainly Arsenal have won two FA Cups when we finished above them in the last six years. So it doesn't make any sense that we haven't had any of the glory that they've had. And I think Conte comes in and he's the, he is the game changer and that things may, may be happening. Um, we had a question for, um, I've lost, I've lost the question for, so forgive me, but, uh, they said, uh, rate on from zero to 10, how successful the protests, the anti-Levy protests were on uh, on deadline day. I mean, I'm not going to, I, I, I wouldn't slag off anyone that's that's gone down there. My issue has always been, if you if you feel that strongly about it, get off your ass and go and do something. Those people have got off their ass and done it. I don't agree, but good luck to them. Well, yeah, I, I'll... Uh... I'll second that out, but what I will say is that they must get a few points for if Sky Sports, their reporter that is obviously there for transfer deadline day, he was actually invited inside uh, Tottenham Way, wasn't he? Uh, so that he wasn't outside with the crowd and that all the uh, the cameras would pick up the protests. Um, and you would have people shouting and like levy out and stuff like that. So the club have heard and they knew that they, you know, people were making moves and stuff like that. So you did get them rattled a bit. So I think they do. I think most places usually do that though, don't they? On deadline day so that there's no like sex toys in the ear type situations again. Oh, really? I don't, I, don't, I, 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 might, I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but I think, uh, am I giving too much credit? Are you take, do you want me to take that credit back? From, uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, giving nice them a present, feel... and I'll I'll take it away. Yeah, it's, it's nice to feel right on a podcast. So if you could retract that, right? Great. Okay, no worries, mate. You've done <laughs> a shit job, lads. A shit job. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like like I say, it's uh, it's about fundamentally. If you feel like something needs to be changed, then you should get up your get get off your ass and and uh, do something about it. And you know, to a certain degree, I commend it. I really do. But there's also what Twitter isn't real. And the sentiment you read on Twitter doesn't translate to real life. Um, there, there are so many people who cast opinions based on the moment, like based on news that they've just heard or they've built up over the last result that didn't go away. And they're screaming into Twitter and they're giving everything that they could possibly give because at that moment they're feeling as frustrated as they could possibly feel. And when you read that tweet, you think that geezer's properly passionate about that. 
They're really on it. Like he's he really believes it. But you ask that bloke to turn up and protest with you, and he doesn't. In fact, ninety nine percent of the people don't. So yeah, while I would I would always commend someone who gets up and does something. You can't take the vibe off Twitter as reality or fact. It isn't real. It is not real. Someone is sitting on their sofa, their belly's out, they've just eaten their pork pie, their fish and chip supper, their kebab. They've made themselves a lovely roast. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. They're sitting on their sofa and they're frustrated in that moment. They've had a drink. They've had a line of gear, whatever it might be. And at that moment, they throw their heart and soul into Twitter. And if there's enough people doing that, you believe there is some sort of zeitgeist happening. When, you know, if you look at the protests that it didn't happen. It didn't manifest. It's, it wasn't the people that turned up there. I'm sure felt that there was going to be more people turn up and the same things with the protests, which were a little bit more significant last year. And they were, you know, I get it. The energy we had Billy T who was like, you know, well behind it back, back, back last year when they, 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 they the protests were happening at, at um, at, uh, at White Hart Lane. Um, and it was significant, but it just it dies a death because fundamentally the support isn't there. What this comes down to, in my experience, which is why I never get involved in any of this stuff anymore, is that the vast majority of people that follow Spurs, they don't really want to change anything. They might be angry, but they don't want to do enough to 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 um to to to, to force the club or force Daniel Levy to leave the club. That kind of change would require a groundswell that is unprecedented in, in, in the history of our football club and probably unprecedented in the history of English football. That's what you're up against. That's what you're you're aiming to achieve. And it's really difficult. So I commend everybody for going up and doing something, but he's the owner of our football club. He owns the club. We're clients of the football club. I don't want to be a cynic, but you've got no chance. Absolutely zero chance. We were trying back in the day. We were trying to campaign for cheaper season ticket prices and cheaper uh, match day uh, ticket prices. It's not about signing players. This is about changing the match day experience for for fans who who didn't have enough money to to you know pricing out young fans who didn't have enough money to get into the stadium, and no one was interested. <laughs> no one was interested. They're not going to be interested in this. They well, really even Stratford was hard work. There were, do you remember Stratford? There was about 60 yeah. people outside. They, the, the club, Daniel Levy was trying to move our football club from Tottenham Hotspur to Stratford and there were 50 people turned up at the protests. Tottenham as a fan base are not interested in revolution. They're not. And they're certainly not interested in not turning up because that's what it would take. It would take, it would take, a, it would take us. It would take the fan base. It's not protesting outside the foot, the, the ground. It's not protesting outside the um, the training ground. It's not turning up to the ground uh, to, to to match days. That's what would make a difference. And you're never going to make that happen. If you do, I'd be amazed. I'd be. But absolutely you can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. Football is too international now. You know, you see even the most mobile of fan bases, which you would probably say are probably Manchester United and Liverpool. I was going to say. They've both had issues with that type of stuff and have not... I mean, all right, Liverpool might have to an extent with the ownership, maybe, but they are a little bit a bit different up there and I wouldn't want us to be like them anyway. No, but, but Alex, just, but, just to jump on that quickly before we move on, is, is that Liverpool fans 
uh, protested, uh, I think it was price increases. They did a turnaround and they walked out. And there was about, I'd say, a third of the ground that walked out. And it was significant. That was the same season. They were desperate for, for um, Suarez to sign a new contract. So you, they no, were. I, asking, I know. There's always there's always bits of. I just mean. I just I just think particularly. It's what not, makes it harder not, for a club like Tottenham is the fact that they're London based. I just don't think. I think we're a bit more, apath, a bit more apathy down here. Apathetic. Yeah, yeah we are. We are. And, and what uh, about United as well? Didn't they? Uh, didn't their uh, fans uh, break into Old Trafford? And then, yeah. like they were hanging from the goalpost and and that was the running Super League stuff, the... wasn't it? Oh, was yeah. That, yeah, but uh, even so, like, um... yeah, that totally avoids my point. I shut up. <laughs> no, 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 no. What they, what United fans did do was the um, green and gold stuff. Yep, the anti glazier stuff. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their fucking stadium is full. The biggest, it, it, their stadium is full. It doesn't matter how many dissenting voices are and how loud you are on Twitter. If people are entering the stadium, you have no chance because. Daniel Levy does not lose any money from people screaming on Twitter. Daniel Levy mo- loses money when he's gone out and built this massive stadium and there is, it's half full against Arsenal. It's half full against West Ham, Man United, Chelsea. If it's half full against them, then you will win 100%. He will backtrack, he will move heaven and earth to get that stadium full. If you can convince people who don't care about your agenda to not turn up to football because you've somehow convinced them to care about your agenda, then you're onto a winning path. But fundamentally, not signing players isn't going to cut it. It's not. Um, there's one more thing I want to rant about, Rick. When you mentioned it Over earlier. It. You mentioned yeah, it earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned it earlier. Um, you put a tweet out that was very successful. You had a little banger, didn't you? Oh, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A little banger. Chasing those numbers, bang, mate. Bang, bang. You shut me down. Bang, bang. <laughs> I hit the ground. Bang, bang. Anyway, uh, it was retweeted by AJ Tracy, eh? Yeah, isn't it? All right. Me and him are powers. Yeah, you mates. Get him on the pod. Um, he, uh, you, 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 you mentioned there were a few little whinging gooners in your, in your mentions, right? Yeah, I did, yeah. What's Dele Alley won? What's Dele Alley won? I'll tell you what. Their captain won something. Aubameyang won stuff for Arsenal, and he shit on them. He absolutely exactly. shit on them. So Dele Alli might not have won something at Spurs, but your captain, the, the, the player you deemed most important, the figurehead and the player staff at Arsenal, the most important player at your football club, took a giant shit on your crest, and you clapped him off as he went on to Barcelona. Oh, we are never going to be you, ever. Scumbags. <laughs> anyway, Rick, I don't know what you if you had anything to add. No, t- no, totally, totally agree. All I right. mean, uh, yeah, go, yeah. No, go. just, just uh, any other closing comments, boys, before uh, we obviously move on to normal podcasts in in the um, in the coming weeks. Obviously, got Brighton on Saturday, and then Southampton and think Wolves, then Man City. We've got a lot of football to be played in January, and we, you know, the, fo- the, the podcast will return in, in its normal form then but have you got any any closing comments any other thoughts that we haven't talked about alex anything else you want to bring up rick no not really i mean i'm hungry so if we could brilliant it's only the most (laughs) successful and most listened to podcast in the entire world when it comes to tottenham but uh alex is hungry so let's let's close it up well you know 
fuel is important. Oh, you've when, you, uh... when you're fuel when you're fueling something as as high performing as this, all of this. <laughs> In terms of high performing, you've got a you've got new missus, yeah? No, no, I've not got a new missus. I had a date last Wednesday, which went very well. Could be a new yeah. missus. Could be a new missus. Alex got girlfriend. Yeah, I mean, maybe, um, maybe. Hope, fingers crossed for all of us. So this we... is why I shouldn't tell you like anyone anything. Like you get asked, you know, when you're on, you're on a date and stuff, and, and people ask, you know, you're getting to know people. And people ask you questions about like, you know, your life. You have got family, you got siblings and stuff. You know, do you, you know, do you have many mates that live close? And I'm like, I've got a really close. You know, my my group of seven, eight mates. Are, you know, they're like family to me. Uh, and then you go on and you sing all your lots of praises, and then I think. I don't know why I'm saying this because <laughs> because why? It's just it's not that's yeah. not true. Is it? Yeah, but yeah, but you know <laughs> you know me. You've known me for a long, long time, and yet you keep sharing stuff. Yeah, and, I know. And, but, but you'd like to think that you know there's. Uh, I've, I, it's my own fault because I overshared. I overshared on purpose to become a member of this podcast. If I'm not, to, if I wasn't talking about sex and a hammock and you know, nest cameras whilst holding a packet of grapes and being erect. I never, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be the, the, the famous, you know, successful podcaster that I am. All, 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 um, I'm but, say, all I'm saying is if, if your prospective missus is listening to this podcast, Alex has got a digit that will do wonders. <laughs> wonders. He's got 11 digits. Excellent. Shout out to the brother in law. Shout out to the brother in law. Yeah, I should just record it. You can put voice notes on um on the hinge dating app now, I've heard. So I might just I might if I ever have to go back on there, I'll just uh I'll just play that. I'll just <laughs> I'll just I'll just click well, that. Well what I would say is that I'm I'm looking forward to uh meeting you at my wedding in uh, September. Uh Rick. Yeah. Uh you all well, yeah, think good. Should we round this up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All good. Let's round this up. Let's get Alex some food. Indeed. Yes, please. <laughs> Come on, you suppose. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. A camel surname. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.